talk about the Liberty Bowl. How are you doing tonight? Good, Joel. How are you, buddy? I'm doing well. I was. Uh, I very much enjoyed at least uh, once the clock hit all zeros when the game ended. Uh, it was a great, great game, kind of going both ways. Oklahoma State finished up the game and finished up their season with a 38-33 win over Missouri. Finished seven and six and finished up the 13th consecutive season with a winning record and win bowl games three years in a row. Uh, what were some of your thoughts on the game from the Mizzou side of things? What What did you think about the game? Yeah, so it's funny, you know, um, we were talking just before we started recording and um, me and a bunch of my Mizzou friends agree that it was like watching Mizzou play itself. And I'm sure for Oklahoma State fans, you know, I don't watch, I didn't watch a single Oklahoma State game all year, but for Oklahoma State fans, I'm sure it's similar from talking with you. It was literally the same mistakes that Mizzou makes in every game and the same things that happened to Mizzou when Mizzou was in the lead were happening to Oklahoma State in that fourth quarter. And so um, it was funny to see, you know, we were sitting around saying whoever Mizzou's the least is going to win the game. And so Oklahoma State mizzou the least, and they ended up winning. Yeah, it was a, it was an interesting game. You know, both teams played pretty evenly in the first, at least in the first half, and then Oklahoma State jumped out and had three touchdown drives in a row to start the game and forced a couple of Mizzou turnovers as well. But then Oklahoma State started doing Oklahoma State things and turned the ball over and kind of just getting complacent on offense and allowed Mizzou to end up taking the lead eventually and then were able to come back. And, uh, you know, I, I was just wondering, you know, fourth quarter started. I'm like, how is Oklahoma State going to find a way to blow this one? You know, it was just starting to get to that point. And the momentum really shifted for me when Oklahoma State start, tried to do the fake punt, which we hadn't done all season. We had seen no creativity from the – from the special teams because special teams have been very special all year. And then they find a way, they try the fake punt, don't get it, and then force a missed, uh, blocked field goal. And then Oklahoma State's able to go down. And, you know, it was just a ridiculous series of events and comedy of errors almost that led to Oklahoma State being able to win the game. And I, <laughs> I remember thinking just how are they going to blow it? And they found a way to make a defensive stop, which they've really rarely done all year, that ended up being the difference. Yeah, that so that defensive stop, and, and nothing against Oklahoma State, but Missouri runs a spread shotgun offense every single snap of the whole season. And then on the three most important snaps of the season, they go under center in a jumbo package. I don't understand... You know, you have Drew Locke, who is arguably a top-five quarterback in all of college football. Could be a first-round pick in this year's NFL draft. And you don't even threaten to throw. It was like Barry Odom, Mizzou's head coach, told Oklahoma State, we're not going to throw it. Feel free to load the box. We think we can run it by you anyway. Larry Roundtree had 200 rushing yards in the game out of the shotgun. I don't understand what made Mizzou think they needed to go jumbo package under center. So... Credit to Oklahoma State for getting the stop, but if we're being honest, I don't think there's any way on second and six that if Mizzou just went out there and ran the offense that Oklahoma State, you know, I don't think they get the stop. I just I don't, don't understand why. Either. I don't know what Mizzou was thinking. Like, why do we feel the need to go under center? It's something that, you know, Mizzou has done traditionally in the past. They get to a point in the game where they can win and they blow it. They always blow it. South Carolina, you're winning the game with a minute left, they lose. Winning the game against Kentucky with a minute left, they lose. It's just something they've they've done a lot. Um, only this time the offense was on the field. Yeah, this was one of those, yeah, I'm going back and I'm looking. Yeah, first and 10 on the 18, Larry Roundtree, run for seven yards. Oklahoma State takes a timeout. 
Then you come back, and then you go I formation, Larry Roundtree run for two yards, third and one, Larry Roundtree no gain, timeout Missouri, and then Drew Locke takes a zone read, and Colby Peel, who's a true freshman, uh, ends up making the stop and sealed the game. And I, I didn't think they were going to be able to get the stop. I thought I had a feeling that Mizzou was going to take the timeout and they were going to give the ball to Drew Locke, and he was going to be able to fake out the defense. And Oklahoma State found a way to get the stop, and Colby Peel ended up making a play. And that really bodes well, at least for Oklahoma State in the future. He was actually the leading tackler for Oklahoma State in this game as well. And for a young secondary in a defense that had not played well consistently all season, uh, this gives me a lot of hope for the future that this defense can work and that these guys getting the experience now and finding ways to win games on the defensive side of the ball is going to bode well for the future of the, in the Big 12. Yeah, and one thing that, in, speaking of the future for Oklahoma State, one thing that impressed me, I think, more than anything was Chuba Hubbard. Um, I'm looking for Missouri's stats against Kentucky right now. Missouri held Benny Snell Jr., one of the NCAA's leading rushers, to 67 yards in their meeting. And so it's not like Missouri's run defense is bad in any way. They've actually got a pretty decent, you know, not great, but a decent enough defense. It's helped them win eight games. And Chuba Hubbard ran all over him. Um, that's a kid who, if, you know, I'm, I'm assuming you guys know about him, um, obviously. But if I was an Oklahoma State fan, he might be the guy I was most excited about um, moving into the future. Yeah, absolutely. He's He's been a guy that's made an impact all season, and Mike Gundy's gushed about him since his redshirt season last year. And to see it all come to fruition now, taking the place of Justice Hill, who sat out the bowl game, Justice Spring for almost 1,000 yards, and Chuba in – really didn't get consistent carries until the back half of the season and still ended up rushing for over 700 yards and about six or seven touchdowns. He is the future at the running back position for Oklahoma State, and he and L.D. Brown are going to be formidable next year behind an offensive line that's continuing to improve. And he's a guy that you know the rest of the nation really needs to watch out for because he, is a, he has just world-class speed and I think is a generational talent at running back. And he's only a yeah. rich freshman. Yeah, and I, you know, Again, I didn't watch a ton of Oklahoma State football this year, but Mizzou, having been a Big 12 team in the past, I'm familiar with their offense, and it seems like every, you know, every player that I can think of in the history of Oklahoma State has been involved in the passing game. And now to have Chuba Hubbard as an elite running threat to go with what has consistently been an elite passing threat, that, that has to be exciting. And I can imagine that um, moving forward that the offense will be more balanced than maybe the perception of Oklahoma State is. I think it will be as well. And, I mean, this was the last game for Taylor Cornelius, a guy that was kind of a social pariah for the whole fan base this year and frustrated the hell out of all of us sometimes and gave us some moments that, you know, made us kind of go shock and awe and won some games in very impressive fashion. And to see him go out and be the bowl game MVP, throw four touchdowns. Now, he threw two terrible interceptions, but that's just kind of been the, uh, you know, the fire and ice that he's been all season. But to go out 336 yards, four touchdowns, wins the bowl game, wins MVP, it's nice to see him go out on that high note. And hopefully fans remember him for winning some of these big games and not the inconsistency, even though that's probably what the mind will go to first. But now I'll ask you about Drew Locke. Obviously, four-year starter, one of the best, you know, I assume one of the best quarterbacks in Mizzou history up there with like Blaine Gabbert and, um, and Chase Daniel. Where do, you, where do you think his legacy goes? with Mizzou fans, obviously kind of losing this bowl game and, you know, kind of having the ball in his hands on that fourth down. Where do you think Mizzou fans are going to look at him as he goes to the NFL? So that there's a lot to unpack with Drew Luck, Drew Locke. I'm going to try to unpack it 
um, quickly since we are on your podcast. So I think Drew Locke is far and away the most talented quarterback that I have ever seen at Mizzou. He didn't have the best college career, but he is the most talented quarterback to come through. Nobody can throw the football like he can. It's been at Mizzou. Um, and there, was throws, I, there was a touchdown through, throw he made back shoulder to the Missouri tight end. It was just unbelievable in that game. So talent-wise, he is far and away you know, everything that Mizzou has been looking for. I think what Mizzou fans should remember about Drew Locke that I think may get overlooked is that he put a – Fran, or I guess not franchise, a, uh, a school whose football program was on the brink of shambles on his back and made them average to good. Um, with that whole, there was a whole deal where the Mizzou football team was protesting in Gary Pinkle's last year. That had the potential, with Gary Pinkle leaving, to be a disaster. And Drew Locke played so well that he did not allow it to be a disaster. So, um it was nowhere near as good as it could have been, but it wasn't as nearly as bad as it could have been either. Um, you look at the generations around Drew Locke, um, there was a huge defensive generation before him. There were there was a, there was a generation where we had Doriel Green Beckham uh, along with one of the best receiving cores I've ever seen. He's just like the wrong age. You know, if he's any generation before him in Mizzou history, Mizzou maybe beats Auburn in the SEC championship. Maybe they beat Oklahoma in one of the Big 12 championships, you know, a long time ago. So um, really a bad time for Drew Locke in terms of winning. But I really hope Mizzou fans remember that he pulled that program away from falling off the cliff and allowed them to be here uh, ranked as the 23rd team in the country before bowl season. Yeah, absolutely. I think he is an extreme talent quarterback and I was very impressed with what I saw from him all four years you could see the improvement especially from his junior year to his senior year and even sophomore junior obviously he set the SEC record for touchdown passes last season but I think he was much better this year than last year but when you have a running back like Larry Roundtree you don't have to completely rely on his arm so I was impressed with what he's able to bring to the table and I think he's going to be a good NFL quarterback now I don't think he's going to be ever a top 10 guy but he can be a very good NFL quarterback just from an arm talent perspective so going yeah. into next season for Mizzou, besides a guy like Larry Roundtree coming back as a junior, uh, and a very impressive running back, who's a guy that you think everyone should look out for? And what uh, can Mizzou fans have to look forward to next season? Obviously having Kelly Bryant at quarterback is going to be nice as well. That's going to be a lot of fun. Um, yeah, Mizzou is returning almost its entire offense. Emmanuel Hall won't be back, the senior receiver who, if he doesn't get hurt in that game, who knows what we're looking at against Oklahoma State. But he was hurt all season, so it's, you know, whatever. Jonathan Johnson had nine for 185 yards and a touchdown against Oklahoma State. Mizzou's best running back was actually hurt for the game, Demarie Crockett. Um, he's a guy who reminds me a lot of Alvin Kamara in terms of having speed. He's got some juice to run over guys. He can catch the ball out of the backfield. I think he, in my opinion, is Mizzou's RB1. He's coming back. Albert Okawebina should be back. Mizzou's All-American tight end. Um, Daniel Parker is going to be back. He's a freshman tight end that was all SEC. I mean, they've got some dudes, and I think Mizzou has a chance. I, If I was going to have to make a bet, if you made me bet um, on one thing that Mizzou will do next year, I think they'll win the SEC East. Um, good luck with Bama. I don't know. But I think they'll win the SEC East. I think they're just going to be too loaded. They're returning too many guys. Um, so this will be a win for Oklahoma State where – Next season, I don't know, you know, again, I don't know what Oklahoma State's future looks like, but they could look back next year when Mizzou's playing in Atlanta and go, whoa, 
um, you know, that's a, that's a lot different team than we played last year. Yeah, absolutely. The biggest question mark for Oklahoma State going into next season, returning most of the offensive line, at least having young talent at offensive line is going to be key. But then it's also turning over at quarterback. And there's, you know, Spencer Sanders who's likely going to be the starter next season. Uh, to be able to have a guy like him and his talent level come in as a retro freshman is going to be huge. But not only to have that, but to have a guy like Chuba Hubbard in the backfield and then to return Tylen Wallace, Bill Endicott finalist, Tyron Johnson, who had a great game to end his season. And he's been kind of a question mark all season with kind of just inconsistent play. But, man, is he talented. Buck 41 and two touchdowns for him. Dylan Stone are just as reliable as they come. Landon Wolf. And then you got young guys like C.J. Moore, Elsie Greenwood, Patrick McCoffman coming back from injury. You've got a loaded receiving core with that as well. The offense for Oklahoma State is going to be really fun to watch. They may not win a ton of games just because they are young in spots, but, man, it's going to be fun. And I think what we saw from the defense, at least, you know, giving up 33 points isn't always that great. But when you see the young talent that Oklahoma State has, especially in the secondary and running a 4-2-5, you, you know, the secondary, the safeties, and the corners are huge for this team. And to have Colby Peel, true freshman, Jarek Bernard, true freshman, Malcolm Rodriguez, sophomore, um, you know, to have guys like that getting significant time all season, that's only going to get better for them next year. And then you're returning A.J. Green, who's all Big 12, and then Rodarius Williams, who's honorable mention. This is a team that I think can be very talented next season. If not next season, then 2020 is going to be a very, very good Oklahoma State team once again. And while a 7-6 and six season, you know, it's you know not what t- us fans were expecting. I, thought, I think everyone <coughs> think we could win at least eight, nine games this year. To go out on the high note that they did, there's still a lot of question marks for next season, but at least gives fans something to look forward to for next season. Yeah, and don't I don't think um, – give your defense some credit because – they were actually one of the more impressive defenses that Mizzou saw this year in terms of getting pressure on the quarterback, making Locke uncomfortable, and not giving receivers a ton of separation. Mizzou this year scored, excuse me, he scored 10 points against Alabama and 14 against Kentucky, but here were their other point totals. 51, 40, 40, uh, 29 against Georgia, 35. 65, 38 against at 11 at 11th ranked Florida, 33, 50, and then they closed with 38 against Arkansas. So, Mizzou's offense when they're not playing elite SEC defenses is high flying. So, you know, I don't think 33 is anything to shake a stick at. That's almost what Mizzou put up against Georgia. Um, that would have been Mizzou's second, third lowest mark of the year. So. Um, Oklahoma State's defense actually played better than I think you're giving them credit for. They did, and I think the thing that made the difference in the game is while there were a couple of targeting calls that are questionable, um, but what made the game okay, at least for Oklahoma State, was the referees allowed the corners to play physical on the outside. And for a guy like A.J. Green, who likes playing bump-and-run coverage and likes to kind of get in your grill, to when he, he is at his best – when he can play that type of coverage, and they allowed him to play like that all game. So to have that was huge for Oklahoma State. And I think one of the keys, I'll have to go back and look here, penalties have been Achilles heel for Oklahoma State all season. They had seven in this game. Um, when they've been around four or five all year, then they've been playing really well. But to still find a way to win the game with seven penalties for 76 yards, um, I'll take that any day of the week. Yeah. I was going to ask your opinion on that. I didn't think the referees were one-sided. I don't think so. I just either. thought they were – I thought they were awful. They were just bad like, the there, whole way around. There were some – and you could tell, like, on the referee's face, that Big Ten crew, the head referee, he'd come out to make a call, and it was almost like he was guessing. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was 
I'm a high school basketball coach, so I know bad referees. But that was, I mean, that was weird. Yeah, like, I did not expect, and, and again, it was not one-sided. I, I'm saying for both teams, there were calls where Mizzou had a false start on their last touchdown they scored, maybe. It was a touchdown Mizzou scored, and the right guard or left guard, I can't remember which guard it was, had taken two steps before the snap was made. It was like that Rams-Chiefs game. Yeah, there was um, another one where it was, I think it was the first touchdown Mizzou had. It was the throw to the back of the end zone uh, from Drew Locke to, I believe it was Jonathan Johnson. And the left tackle took two steps, and Oklahoma State kind of froze because they expected the call, and then it just kept going for a touchdown. And I think there were at least three or four times when Mizzou was off sides and in the backfield at the snap, and they were, you know, didn't call anything. So it was a, yeah, it was a weird game both ways. And you know, I never think I didn't really think Oklahoma State got jobbed too many times this season, but yikes, it was it was bad on both sides. Yeah, I mean, there were a couple, and it was weird. So, you know, there's a referee on either side of the field in the passing game. And there was one series, they were just showing the highlight here on ESPN as I got it pulled up. Um, DeMarcus AC, uh, Mizzou's top corner, got called for pass interference on the right side of the field. Then he went to the left side of the field to cover the receiver. And the receiver did literally the exact same thing to him and it didn't get called. So it was almost like the referees weren't on the same page. Are we going to let him play? We're going to call a flag. And it was just, and again, like you said, they were, it was both ways. By no means was it one-sided. But there were so many inconsistent calls that it made watching the game hard. Yeah, it did. And when the referees are having that kind of impact on the game, you know, it, it makes a difference and it makes it less fun to watch. But you know what? All in all, uh, it, was a, it was a fun game at least. And Oklahoma State found a way to win, so that's where I'm happy. And, you know, win's a win at some point. You know, you take what you can get. And in a season like this, we are perfectly fine with it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It was a good game by Oklahoma State. I did not expect that the Oklahoma State defense would hold Missouri to 33. 52-45, something like that. This was a lot. and It covered the over. We got to the over in Vegas, but no, we didn't. No, we only got 71 points. Yeah, it was 71. So we hit the under, actually. It was under under one point for Vegas' expectation. But, man, I thought this was going to be a high-flying affair, and it just wasn't. here um it's been rumored over the last couple of days uh with some interviews that have gone on between uh, mike Yersich and ohio state and it's looking like he actually is going to go and be on ryan day's staff at uh yep here it is from barrett salee ohio state makes oklahoma state offensive coordinator mike Yersich as the buckeyes passing game coordinator and quarterback coach two-year contract worth nine hundred fifty thousand annually so oklahoma state huh. is now in the market for an offensive coordinator Interesting. Yep. So we'll uh, we'll see how this goes. Uh, the fan base now. Uh, I don't know if you could hear it, but everyone in Stillwater is rejoicing currently. But you know, we'll uh, see where this leads. Now, uh, I'm going to start looking for uh, some quality uh, D2 and D3 uh, offensive coordinators. I'll start going on YouTube <laughs> and do what Mike Gundy did to find Mike Yersich. So there we go. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. So wow. All right. There we go. You have any final thoughts on the Liberty Bowl? I do not. It was a good game. It was, it's fun to watch Mizzou get to play um, former Big 12 teams in bowl games again, and I'm I'm glad you guys got your Cotton Bowl revenge from a few years oh, ago. Oh, yeah. We needed that one for sure. I'm glad we got to play <laughs> again. All right. Well, Alex, thank you for joining me tonight. I appreciate it. Uh, where can anyone that cares to follow you on Twitter? Yeah, if you're into Royals baseball, come over and follow me at Doovy, D-U-V-Y underscore 
013. That's at Doobie underscore 013. All right, and you can listen to both of us on the Royals Farm Report podcast. We're actually recording we're recording on Wednesday right now. Thursday, we're recording the next episode of the podcast, and hopefully my computer doesn't fail me this time and corrupt the file so that we can actually get a little bit of content out there for the offseason. Sounds good to me. Thanks for having me, Joel. Absolutely. Thank you, Alex. Have a good one. Thank you to Alex for joining us on the podcast this week and stepping in for Philip and giving a little bit of a different perspective on the Liberty Bowl, kind of giving the Mizzou perspective. It was nice to have that on the podcast as well. And now it's Thursday morning, and I've been able to kind of gather my thoughts on the Iowa State game uh, last night for the men's basketball team. Uh, Oklahoma State falling 69-63 to in the conference opener. Uh, this was a game that Oklahoma State could have let get away from them pretty early. Uh, for kind of jumping out to an early lead, Iowa State takes, you know, goes on a big run, about 12-0 run, make it 20-9, to and it felt like it was just going to be a blowout from there. But Oklahoma State found a way after a timeout to start to battle back into the game. And then with about two, two minutes left and a little bit under the first half, uh, Iowa State was up 35-27. to Oklahoma State goes on a 9-0 run to end the half to take the lead. And then toward the end of the game, Iowa State starts to pull away a little bit more. And it was back and forth the whole way. Uh, but at the end of the day, Iowa State hit a few more shots at the end. And Oklahoma State missed theirs and kind of went cold in the final five minutes. And that really told the tale of the game. But this was another game that you saw the fight that Oklahoma State had. And you saw the ability that they had to, you know, fight in conference and win some of these games they're just not quite there yet especially offensively Um, they really need a go-to guy and we saw that from Cam McGriff a little bit tonight 15 points 13 rebounds uh, still being a go-to guy for Oklahoma State but still getting used to that role so it's going to take a little bit of time for him Lindy Waters had a great night 6 of 11 shooting three threes 15 points Uh, Michael Weathers had 12 points off the bench kind of a little bit of an offensive burst from him uh, before a ten shooting, you know you're not gonna you're not gonna do much there. Uh, if you want to take one positive away, of Cowboy fans, um, free throw shooting has gotten a lot better. Uh, you saw seventy eight percent, eleven to fourteen. You know, considering they were in the sixties for most of the you know first few games, first ten games or so of the season. If you want to take some sort of positive away from this game, you can take that. At least they're starting to figure that out. Uh, defensively, I thought Oklahoma State played well on the whole. They held Iowa State, who hasn't been a great shooting team all year, just thirty six percent. Uh, 10 of those shots were threes that they made on the game, and then 19 to 25 from the free throw line. Oklahoma State, uh, Iowa State doesn't turn the ball over a lot at all, really. They had 10 on the night, and Oklahoma State, they talked about it on the broadcast, they're not necessarily going to be able to turn the ball over, but what they were going to be able to do is try and disrupt Iowa State offensively. They were able to do that a lot and force a lot of bad shots. But we also saw a lot just like the offense kind of going into the spurts. We saw about five or six possessions in a row where Oklahoma State played great defensively, forcing bad shots, and then five or six possessions in a row where they were a rotation or two late and leading their easy shots for Iowa State, and they were able to knock them down. So just like we see the inconsistency on offense and some wasted possessions, we see some of that on the defensive end as well. And that's just going to be what we see with the young team and a team that's just going to continue to get better. Now, is this a game that you're going to be able to hang your hat on if you're an Oklahoma State fan and take some take a lot of positives away? Not really. This is a game that Oklahoma State probably should have won, but at the end of the day, too many mistakes, and you know you, you lead that to the game. And no, only 12 turnovers. Uh, we've seen a lot more from this team uh, going forward, but or you know looking back, but this is a game that you know won too many mistakes and won too many wasted possessions and you see the result. 
So the, it's going to be a rough conference play. It really is. This is a team that is probably going to win five or six games, as Philip and I have alluded to in the past. And moving forward, you just got to take what you can and take what positives we can and know this is not the year, it's next year. And we just have to keep telling ourselves that as fans. And at the end of the day, this is going to be – there's going to be a lot of growing pains, but we see the end goal and what Mike Boynton is building, and we move on from there. Up next for Oklahoma State is Bedlam on Saturday in Norman. Uh, this is going to be a game and a really, really good OU team, and we'll see how things shake out. But man, it's going to be a tough matchup. And they gave OU, they gave KU a run uh, there in uh, Lawrence uh, Wednesday night. So this is a team that is really good and a team that is going to be. It's they're going to give OU a OSU a battle as they always do. It's Bedlam. Uh, this they, I don't think I don't expect them to win from Oklahoma State in this game, but it, I at least hope to see a little bit of a better. You know, a better showing than kind of what we saw at times and a little more consistency from what we saw against Iowa State. So we'll see how things go and how things shake out. And Philip and I will be back after the weekend uh, to kind of recap the Bedlam matchup and then look forward to a little bit of the uh, Big 12 or the football offseason, hopefully, and where the offensive coordinator coaching search is going to go. Obviously, with Mike Kiersich deciding to go and take his talents to Columbus, Ohio, and join Ryan Day's staff at Ohio State. So there's a lot to talk about here in the coming days, and we'll get that to you as soon as we can. Uh, you can follow me at JT Penfield. Uh, be sure to follow the main site at Cowboys RFF. Sure to give Philip a follow if you haven't already at OKTXAR Poke. And uh, follow his podcast as well. Shout out to him. Uh, it's now affiliated with Langrand Gauntlet. Uh, so it's number 10, number 12, the word podcast. Be sure to give that a listen. It's really good content. To see uh, his podcast become affiliated with another site is really impressive, and I'm really happy for him as well. And we will see everyone after the weekend. Have a good one, everybody.